Hello, and welcome to Labs Live at Andre's, a special luncheon by the Orange County Friends Committee of Guide Dogs for the Blind. I'm Max Flanger. Our engineer, Joe Yurka, and I are here to bring you a word picture of this event, which will honor guide dog puppy raisers, graduates, and veterinarians who treat the guide dog. We are here at Andre's Restaurant, a beautiful restaurant in Irvine, California, a city about 50 miles south of Los Angeles and home of the University of California at Irvine. Beautiful day, cool but uh, lovely blue sky, a couple of flocculent cumulus clouds overhead. Great Southern California day for a lunch like this. What is Guide Dog for the Blind? It's a nonprofit charitable organization dedicated to providing skilled guide dogs and training in their use to visually impaired men and women from throughout the United States and Canada. Since their founding in 1942, Guide Dogs has received no government funding and has charged no student tuition or fees. They rely entirely on private charitable donations to operate their school. Campuses are located in San Rafael, California, and Boring, Oregon, which is outside of Portland. The mission of the Guide Dogs is to provide enhanced mobility to qualified individuals through partnership with dogs whose unique skills are developed and nurtured by professional staff and dedicated volunteers. The aim is to strengthen the human-animal bond. Guide Dogs provides each of their alumni with a lifetime safety, or lifetime scholarship rather, which entitles them to return for successor dogs for as long as they qualify at no charge. They are leaders in the field and the largest school in the United States. What is the Orange County Friends Committee of Guide Dogs? Friends committees are established in key areas where guide dogs have a significant number of constituents and where there's strong potential for access to new affluent donors. The Orange County Friends Committee mission is to seek new donors, but also to provide education and awareness of the guide dog presence in the county. In Orange County, there are three puppy raising clubs raising 27 puppies. These volunteers socialize and teach our pups basic obedience and good manners. In addition, there are 47 active guide dog teams in this county and over 2,000 donors. In addition to recording the speakers and the proceedings at this lunch, we'll try to get interviews with some of the participants. We are speaking with Janet Benjamin, National Major National Major Gifts Officer for Guide Dogs of America. Janet, uh, welcome to Irvine. Well, thank you, Max. It's a pleasure to have Airs LA here. Um, I didn't really know much about podcast services, but I read up on you and very impressed on the service that you do for visually impaired people. Well, thank you for the kind words. I guess we've read up on each other's organizations, right? <laughs> I guess we did. It's a good thing. It is a good thing. Tell me about your job. Well, as a National Major Gifts Officer for Guide Dogs for the Blind, um, what I do is I go out and I visit our very generous donors on, it's one-on-one. So I'm not in charge of special events or grant writing. I'm specifically, my my role here at Guide Dogs is to meet and greet our major donors, thank them for their generosity, and perhaps interest them in future giving. Future giving is always the subject, isn't it? It certainly is. But um, I always feel like Guide Dogs for the Blind is very, very blessed with the many generous people that want to give to us. Um, I'm just impressed by people's kindness. 
Do you go to a lot of events like this, or is this one of the few? We used to go to, we used to have many more special events, Guide Ducks for the Blind did. Uh, we've cut back like many other nonprofits because we've noticed that with the state of the economy, uh, we weren't selling as many tickets. Our live and silent auction items weren't flying off the table like before. So we've scaled back. But these kinds of events uh, are sort of our future. This is where we're, this is the direction we're going in. Smaller events um, that raise awareness in local communities. In the past, have you derived most of your funds from uh, major donors or from events, or what, what was the major source of your funding? Almost 80% of our funds come from individual giving. We, um, we have about 12%, 13% coming from uh, foundations and the rest with corporations, which is even getting smaller as we speak, the corporate giving. So it comes from individuals. Somebody told me there are 30,000 nonprofits just in Southern California. Uh, how do you and how do the other 29,999 compete? Oh, my goodness. Um, I couldn't say. I mean, I don't know where we, where we are in the packing order. Um, but last year we had a great year and we met our annual funds goal, and this year we'll be slightly below. If you met your national funds goal last year, you were doing better than most. Last year was really a disastrous year for a lot of organizations yeah, like yours and ours. <laughs> yeah. So we were very blessed and very pleased with the way the generosity, the gifts flowed in and the generous donors stepped up to the plate. What do you see as the future of the organization? Well, um, we're always going to keep the focus on providing excellent guides to our visually impaired and blind people. That that will never change. Um, the, if, if you ask me where the direction is going as far as special events, like I said, we're kind of toning it down to what we call donor-hosted events. And these are small, smaller events, some in restaurants, some in people's homes. Um, they're... They're not as expensive to provide, and uh, they seem to do the same thing. Not in, not in the money arena, but uh, we still tend to attract many new people to, to our organization by doing these smaller events. Well, Janet Benjamin, I wish you great success. We've been speaking with Janet Benjamin, National Major Gifts Officer for Guide Dogs for the Blind. Thanks a lot, Janet. We're speaking with Linda Becker, who is a... Uh, give me your title, Linda. Yes, I'm a Orange County Friends Committee member for the Guide Dogs for the Blind, and we have a luncheon once a year to raise money for, uh, well, for veterinary care and build public awareness all over Orange County, north and south. And that's the purpose of this luncheon today? Absolutely. Is this the first uh, of this kind, or have you had others? Number five. Where have the others been held? In Laguna, at the Trivoli, um, up at the Elks Lodge in Lido. Um, I think our very first one was at the Laguna Hotel, right across, right on the beach. How long has your volunteer organization been in existence? Well, uh, this volunteer organization has been in existence, uh, as far as the committee, for the last five years. Uh -huh, so you've had one... One uh, drive like this each of the five years that you've been in existence. And it's always been entitled Labs and Luncheon. How many people are attending today, do you know? Today, I believe the occupancy in this wonderful banquet room at Andre's holds about 170. 
to 200 people, and I think we're sold out today. Sure looks like it, judging by the number of people and the number of tables in here. We're not counting the dogs, obviously. (laughs) No, we're counting only the people. Right. Uh, As a volunteer, what do you do from day to day? Well, what I do from day to day is walk around with my own guide dog, and her name is Patience. She's a yellow Labrador, and I received her at the Guide Dogs for the Blind on the Oregon campus. And as I walk around, I talk to people and give them information about Guide Dogs for the Blind. I tell them that there's this wonderful luncheon that we have, that they'd be able to come and uh, enjoy Um, seeing different uh, puppies that are being raised for guide dogs and also learn about the guide dog organization which um, is just you know stellar of all the of all the of all the seeing eye dog organizations guide dogs for the blind it's been around for over 60 years and they have two campuses one in san rafael which is marin county and one in in oregon just south boring oregon actually which is not boring at all which is a terrible name for a town so there are outside of portland there are other organizations like this yes there are Uh, is this the oldest of the guide dogs so i think ariel is is, uh, guide dogs for the blind i think is the oldest seeing eyes in New Jersey. New Jersey. Okay. Okay. Well, Linda Becker, thank you very much for speaking for uh, with us. Rather, we hope this is a very successful event for you. It is already. Thank you for for allowing us to be part of your podcast, Max. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, we're going to speak now with Ariel Gilbert, the manager of outreach services for Guide Dogs for the Blind. Ariel, welcome to Irvine. Thank you. Where do you live? I live north of San Rafael, which is where our headquarters are located. So I live about 20 miles north of there. So now you're come to, you've come to civilization for a Sunday afternoon. That's right. Just for the afternoon. Well, we Southern Californians have to say that. Okay, tell me about your title and tell me what you do. Well, as the outreach manager for Guide Dogs, I do outreach to people who are blind or visually impaired all over the United States and Canada. And I also work with vision professionals that work with the blind to teach people about what the option is of getting a guide dog and how a guide dog can enhance their lives and um, the advantages of an active lifestyle. So you're not involved with fundraising, but in uh, spreading the word about the organization. No, I'm I'm more on the end of uh, the direct contact with people who are thinking that a guide dog might be a good option for them. Do most people who have need for a guide dog know about your organization? Many people have heard about guide dogs. However, there are a lot of misconceptions about um, how much vision you can have or who qualifies to get a guide dog and um, or in the costs. Of course, there's uh, no cost to a person who is blind or visually impaired to come and get a guide dog, but people aren't always aware of that. And some people who are low vision, who are legally blind, are also not aware that they might... They, they would be eligible to get a guide dog. How do you spread the word? I mean, other than face-to-face contact, do you have some sort of national organization to do that? There are 
two national organizations, the blind consumer groups, the American Council for the Blind and the National Federation of the Blind. And we participate in a lot of their uh, conferences and conventions uh, nationally around the United States. And there are graduates uh, all over the U.S. and Canada are also wonderful walking mission statements about our organization. So our graduates do a lot of speaking to people who are blind or visually impaired in their own communities about the option of getting a guide dog. Tell me, I know that there are dogs who don't make it through the program. Are there people who don't make it through the program who, are, who shouldn't have a dog, can't handle a dog? Well, I think, you know, there are some people who getting a guide dog is not a good match for them. And it's usually, you know, people, A, may not like dogs or may not be active enough to get a guide dog. And, you know, if you're a couch potato and you don't get out with this young, active two-year-old dog when you get them, then, you know, it it wouldn't be fair to the dog and it's not a good, good match. So it's more about getting people to the point where they're eligible to get a guide dog and they, they learn their mobility skills, their ability, ability to travel independently. So many times somebody might not be eligible when they apply, but once they have the training and the skills that they need, then they can be eligible to get a guide dog. So the training is not only for the dog, but obviously also for the person who is with the dog. Absolutely. It takes a good you know, a good six months to a year to become a really strong working team with a guide dog. So the training that you get for two or three weeks in the front end to actually learn all the skills to work with a dog is just the beginning. That's just the, the initial investment of, of time to learn, you know, the basic language, so to speak, of working with a guide dog. And then the practice and the, you know, support that we provide to our graduates is what helps people really um, gel with their new their new dog. One last question. What's the proper term? It's not the owner of a dog. What what is the proper term for the person who has the dog? Uh, I didn't mean to rattle your cage, but I called it, I used the word owner in an interview once and I was thoroughly rebuked. I thought it was a reasonable term. Well, I think I think the best description is probably partner because it's it's absolutely a partnership. Uh, my dog depends on me for her care and um, I depend on her for my life when we're we're working down the street and making sure that you know we get across the street safely and things like that so it's it's absolutely a partnership we depend on each other well the word partner certainly describes the relationship thank you very much ariel gilbert manager of outreach services for guide dogs for the blind thank you very much Okay, we're speaking now with uh, Natalia Olenikov, who is the owner of Andre's Restaurant. Natalia, I can't very well welcome you to Irvine, but I'm glad to meet you. (laughs) Thank you. Nice to meet you as well. Why is Andre's Restaurant hosting this event? Well, uh, I'm on the board for Guide Dogs for the Blind and have been for about four years now. Uh, Andre was my brother, and he had retinitis pigmentosa and was uh, slowly going blind. So he didn't have a guide dog yet, but I know that it's something that probably would have been part of his life at some point in the near future. Um, he passed away in 2005, 
and we opened up Andre's restaurant last year in memory of him, and all proceeds from the restaurant go to vision-related charities like Guide Dogs for the Blind, so it seemed like a perfect fit to have the event here. Well, you certainly do have the perfect fit. You opened the restaurant at probably the worst time in the last 15 years. You show great courage. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> we did, we did. It just That's how, how fate had it, and, uh, but we've still been doing really well, and we're fortunate that we have a great support system and, and great patrons who come again and again and tell their friends, and we're slowly growing, so we're very lucky that way. How many people are here for this lunch today? We have about 160 today, and that's about our capacity. We can fit 175 here, so we almost sold out. When uh, you have events like this, it must take a great deal of pre preparation in advance. It does. We've been working on it about six months now, and with the, the board is so involved, and they all donate their time and their energy. And uh, for six months now, we've, we've been focused on this. But um, it's relatively simple too, because everybody here is just so relaxed and loves the cause, and uh, just we throw it together, and, and everyone has a great time, and we raise a good deal of money for the charity. So I, I love this event. It's my favorite event of the year. I can see that, and when you smile and say that, do you know most of the people here? Uh, are these people who are familiar to you? Most people. I mean, every year we get new people at this event, so I'm constantly meeting new people. We have a new board member this year who we just met at an event six months ago, so this is her his first um, Labs Live. Uh, so we're always meeting new people, but yes, a lot of familiar faces as well. I've been on the board for four years now, so know all the board members and a lot of their families, and it's starting to feel more like a family to me as well. I just You start to know everyone, and, and then you enjoy seeing the new people join the family as well. How much time do you spend on board work? Uh, you know, we have a, a call almost every month, so so not a lot of time, but we spend at least an hour a month, and we plan for this event. This is our big event for the year, so this is what we focus on all year long. But some of the board members put in time in between uh, meetings also, I Oh, assume. definitely. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm not the most active board member, no. I, I am, but um, we, we all put in as much time as we can, and, and we get together regularly and talk about how to make the organization better and, and to grow it and to, to introduce more people to it because, frankly, everyone that we introduce to the organization just feels so connected to it and loves it. And so it's just a matter of getting the word out and having people meet the guide dog teams. And the minute they see that connection and the, the positivity around it, they just they want to help too. So it's nice to see it grow. What do you see as a future for the organization? You've been with it for, what, four years, four years now? now? Yeah. Where do you see it going? I just see it continuing to grow and having more um, puppy foster parents and uh, you know, thankfully there's there's a there's a big need for guide dogs in the country and in this area and so this organization really supports the um, the puppy raisers and then also um, allowing them to be passed on to, to people who need them. And so it's great. It's not a need that's going away anytime soon, um, unfortunately, but the dogs really, really help. And so we can continue to raise money and to support the puppy raisers and support the organization to train the dogs. We'll fill that need that there's a big waiting list. So. This, this does a lot of good. I think you're telling me you're not going to run out of work for quite some time. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, yes. <laughs> okay, Natalia Olenikov, owner of Andre's Restaurant, thank you very much for speaking with thank us. Thank you so much.
We're speaking now with Dr. Sarah Calvaris, who is a uh, veterinary ophthalmologist. Doctor, tell us about veterinary ophthalmology. It is an unusual field for most of us. So I was just saying that very many clients come to us and have no idea that there are veterinary ophthalmologists, but actually the field of veterinary medicine has expanded so much in the past few years that now you can find veterinary neurologists and cardiologists and ophthalmologists and just about anything you can imagine for people we have for pets now. And so veterinary ophthalmology sort of evolved from over the course of maybe the past maybe three or four decades from just a very few number of people who trained under human ophthalmologists who now are training under veterinary ophthalmologists. And we have a board certification process, so we go through our four years of veterinary school. We go through a year of an internship in general, small animal medicine and surgery. And then we go on to do three years of specializing under the training of another veterinary ophthalmologist to actually become board eligible. And then we have to pass a rigorous set of board examinations to become board certified as veterinary ophthalmologists. What made you go into the specialty of uh, ophthalmology? I think the very first time I saw a cataract surgery being done on a pet, I was hooked. I saw this dog come in blind and bumping into things, and I saw it leave the hospital two days later, visual and prancing alongside its owner. And to see during the surgery the cataract just being broken up and being evacuated from the eye was the coolest thing. So I think that got me hooked, and I'm, I was always interested in surgery, and the detailed kind of delicate surgeries that you can do on eyes are just incredible. We are so used to having cataracts removed as a routine procedure, humans anyway, that we're not, uh, we don't even think about animals having cataracts. It's amazing. And it's a little more complicated in dogs than in people. Of course, in humans, they don't always put people under full anesthesia for their procedure. In dogs, you can't have them just lie down and look up. So generally, dogs have to undergo general anesthesia. So there's a little more previous, or prior to surgery, there's a little more um, serious testing and checking them out, making sure they can undergo anesthetics. A lot of our patients are older or have other underlying di diseases like diabetes. Um, they can have other problems that need to be addressed before we can put them through cataract surgery. And unfortunately, in our canine patients and sometimes feline patients, the cataracts aren't diagnosed until it's a lot later in the game than a human who can tell their doctor, hey, I have a blurry spot. And so we're operating on patients who have very fully mature or even beyond mature cataracts. And those cataracts can be a little harder to break up and they can cause a little more secondary complications after for the procedure. Well, that brings up the question of how do you know you're putting the right lens into an animal? They don't read eye charts. <laughs> and fortunately, some people, some very smart people have done studies where they've measured the different sizes and strengths of lenses to determine that all dogs need approximately a 41 diopter strength lens. It, it's interesting that you can look at a dog that's a tiny little chihuahua all the way up to something as big as a Great Dane or a Mastiff, and they all seem to require the same strength of lens for correction. Even to read the fine print in the New York Times? Even. Even to read the fine print so that they can drive home from their procedure. <laughs> but uh, only with dark glasses, right? Right. <laughs> Are, do animals, dogs and cats, let's say for a moment, get the same eye diseases that humans do? Uh, macular degeneration, RP, things like that? They actually do not have a macula in the same sense that people do, so they don't develop macular degeneration, but they have comparable diseases, and there are a lot of interesting animal models for human diseases that scientists use to study these diseases in patients or in pet patients that or animal patients that are similar to human diseases. Dogs suffer from things like glaucoma, they suffer from cataracts, they get injuries, all of the same types of things that humans suffer from, and so the surgical intervention is very much based on what people do, we're learning a lot from the human field and then being able to sort of translate that into the veterinary field. 
about a year ago, maybe a little longer, there was sight restored to, I think, three humans by the replacement of the RP65, I think it is, gene. That experiment was done first, I'm sorry, that procedure was done first on dogs, wasn't it? Dogs and cats, I believe. There have been some studies in cats, especially, about replacement, and it's amazing what people are learning. They start in species as small as mice and then start to sort of work up to larger species. So the field of veterinary ophthalmology needs to work a lot closer, I think, with the human medical field, because there are so many things I think we could learn from each other, and I think that that kind of um, interaction is only just beginning. So I think more and more human ophthalmologists are beginning to respect what veterinary ophthalmologists do, and veterinary ophthalmologists are able to teach some of the human ophthalmologists some interesting things as well. Do you see the day in the future when your work won't be needed anymore, when the research will have been that effective? No, that's never going to happen. It's never happened in people. I don't think it'll ever happen in, patient, in pet patients. <laughs> okay, I'm sure you're right. Dr. Sarah Calvaries, thank you very much for speaking with us. You're very welcome. Thank you. Um, I want to first introduce myself. I'm Janet Benjamin. I'm the National Major Gifts Officer for Guide Dogs for the Blind. And I just want to say a big thank you to Natalia Alenikov. Can you stand, Natalia? Natalia graciously offered her restaurant for this event, and this is really the this is the second event. It opened up just a few weeks ago, and once again, thumbs up. Everything is excellent. I I also want to tell you for people who don't know about Andres upstairs is a fabulous restaurant called Andres. Beautiful ambience, excellent food. Critic after critic comes in and raves about how delicious everything is. So I know you'll all be stuffed today, but think about Andres in the future because it is a great place to eat. Um, I, I want to let you know that I'm really proud to be part of the Orange County Friends Committee. Um, will all of you stand? Uh, I know you're eating your salmon, but those of you with the red ribbons, please stand. You guys have done a lot for guide dogs. What the Orange County Friends Committee does is they raise the awareness of who we are in the local community, which is here in Orange County, and they also help us fundraise, and they've done a phenomenal job here. I want to first off say thank you to our sponsors. Um, our companion sponsor was the Andre Foundation. Thank you so much, Andre Foundation, for supporting this event. And I'm just going to go ahead and name all the wonderful sponsors so you can hold your applause till the end. I'd like to thank Mary Jo and Pete Egas. I'd like to thank Susan and Dave Gerke and Nancy and Lynn Joseph. And Jeffrey Joseph, I know you're here. I didn't get to say hi to you, but thank you. New Leash on Life. Don't you love that title? New Leash on Life. <laughs> Valerie and Jeffrey Ormont. Carol Puckley, Tea Off for Dogs, and the Newport Harbor Elks Lodge and VIP3. Thank you so much for your sponsorship. We're very grateful. In front of you are these beautiful catalogs with a gorgeous dog, and these were printed for us at no cost by Thomas Printers, Tom Knees, and his family. Thank you so much, Tom, and your family. And then, this is the very first time I've had a podcast service attend our event, 
Airs LA, Max and Company. Let me tell you what Airs LA does. It's a reading service for the blind and vision impaired. They feature podcasts of essential and popular topics and streaming audio of special events for people who otherwise cannot see. Thank you so much for being here, Max. Thank you. I'd also like to recognize a board member, Deborah Gershon, all the way from San Diego and her friends. Please stand, Deborah. <laughs> And our terrific staff, uh, Nancy Gardner, of course, CEO, and Bill Collison, uh, Rick Tomlinson, and uh, uh, Rick Wilcox, I'm sorry, and Keith Tomlinson. Thank you. Sorry, Rick. Um, they're, they're incredible staff, and not only am I proud to be part of the Orange County Friends Committee, but I'm proud to be very proud to be part of the, the uh, Guide Dogs for the Blind staff. So thank you so much. I have a lot of information to impart in, in very little time. So I'm going to say I want to also say thank you. We got two checks today, one from New Leash on Life. This is Rick Wilcox's group. It's a San Diego puppy raiser club. Thank you so much for your $1,000 gift. And I want to say a big thank you to Frank Frond for Tea Off for the Dogs. <laughs> Last, last week, Frank had his sixth annual golf tournament, raised a ton of money, and the proceeds go towards uh, visually impaired programs, puppy raiser programs, and people like us. So thank you, Frank. Thank you. I also want to end with um, saying that the monies today go towards providing two guide dog team sponsorships. A guide dog team sponsorship costs $15,000, and what it does is it underwrites and funds the training that a visually impaired person goes through with their guide. They come to us on our Sanderville campus or our boring campus in Oregon, and they train for a couple of weeks. And so a $15,000 sponsorship underwrites the training, the accommodations, and the follow-up service afterwards. Our goal today was $30,000. We hit this out of the ballpark, and I will predict, since we don't have all the monies in, I will predict that today we raised over $40,000. So thank you so much. We have several graduates here who are coming back for another guide dog. Um, and I just want to say good luck to you all. I, I know that Valerie Ormont is here, and unfortunately her guide, Treva, passed away. Valerie, our sympathies to you. But I will look forward to seeing you and Jeff and Kathy, all Orange County residents and, and graduates of Guide Dogs, on our campus in the next couple of months. And thank you all for making this possible, for providing a Guide Dog team sponsorship for these people. Thank you, thank you. And I want to pre present our next guest speaker. She is the CEO and president of Guide Dogs for the Blind. Her name is Nancy Gardner. She's moving into her third year, and she's got some exciting news. Thank you, Janet. What a pleasure to be here again this year and see so many familiar faces and some new faces. Thank you for inviting us, and thank you so much for your support. 
As many of you know, uh, Guide Dogs for the Blind started in 1942, hi back there, um, to serve veterans coming back from World War II who had lost their vision. And we continue today with our mission. One of the things that I am most excited about and passionate about and so honored to be the CEO of Guide Dogs about is that our mission is so pure. We match a person with a guide dog and enhance their mobility, freedom, and independence. What could be better than that, right? So for those of you here who are graduates, I love seeing you. You are our best ambassadors. Thank you so much. Many of you may know that Guide Dogs provides our services free of charge. We don't take any government money. We only survive on donations. So without donors like you, none of this would be possible, and we are deeply grateful. We fly our students from all over the United States and Canada, provide their training and support, and then provide their follow-up care and veterinary support for the duration of their team and hopefully many teams thereafter. So thank you so much. And I have some exciting news to share with you today. Um, many of you know, if how many of you have been to the San Rafael campus? Oh, my goodness. Well, then you know that it's getting a little tired, as lovely as it is. And we are very excited to announce that we have just received approval to move forward with the campus renovation. So in just a little less than a year from now, we will be breaking ground and we will be able to provide our students with private rooms, private relieving areas, a gorgeous new facility, a new auditorium. It's going to be fabulous. It'll be a little crazy for a year or two, but once it's done, we will invite you all to celebrate with us on our 70th birthday. So really, thank you. This is great news. And I wanted to say to the Orange County Friends Committee especially, your support, leadership, Dedication to our mission has been incredible, and I can't thank you enough for your volunteer service. And with that, I'd like to introduce the chairpeople of the committee who have been volunteering for Guide Dogs now for 18 years. Pretty impressive. Pete and Mary Jo Igus. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nancy. 18 years ago, we started raising guide dogs with our two daughters, and now we have grandchildren that hopefully will carry on the long heritage that we started. Um, last year, we made our first recipient of our special thanks to veterinary care that takes place in Orange County, and I'm very pleased to see Dr. Mannix returned again. Where's Dr. Mannix? Ah, back there. You want to stand up? Again, thank you for everything you've done in the past, everything you're doing for us today. We truly, truly appreciate it. This year's recipient of our award goes to Dr. Sarah Cervantes. Doctor, you please stand. She has been very, very active. Not only with guide dogs, but also with the National Service Dog Eye Exam Group where she goes out to different facilities that have working service animals like fire departments, police departments, and guide dogs for the blind, and provides eye services to them at a very, very reduced, if not free cost, 
Dr. Cervantes, thank you for everything you do for us and the other service dogs in Orange County and Southern California. We really appreciate it. Those of us who were here last year at the Newport Elks Club probably noticed that there was a big, large van out there. It's called the Puppy Truck. And there were some puppies that came off that truck, one of them which is Sadie and Jim Howard back there. And if you haven't had a chance to go by and say hi to Sadie a year later, you'll notice in those 12 months that dog is growing a real lot. Another one of the dogs was Spalding, who's back there also, that is our 17th dog we're raising. And again, they will be going back to guide dogs for their formal training in the next couple of weeks. So again, wish them well. Hopefully you all got your picture out on the lobby with them. Again, it's a photo journal for us, all the raisers. So we really appreciate the time and the effort you took coming here today and your generous donations. For next year, we want to have another dog for a photo opportunity. So we're going to be presenting today. Uh, is Mary Jo back there somewhere? The new puppy will be going to a family in the VIP3 club. It's actually our 99th dog that has come through VIP3. We'll be going to the Sage family, letter O. That's usually what we tell you when you're getting the puppy. The puppy's name is Ophelia. So please come by and say hi to Ophelia, a female black, yellow, or black lab. Absolute sweetheart. If you want to see what happens with food and love and a lot of spoiling does to a dog in a year, please come back to the next event and get a chance to uh, say hi to Ophelia. Looks like the spoiling's already started, so. So the Sage family, would you please stand up? You ready for Ophelia? This is their second dog. Ari is a student at Saddleback College, and she will be taking Ophelia to class once Ophelia gets the green light from the Puppy Raising Club to do that. Congratulations, Ari. Congratulations, Sage family. Do a great job with the dog. And hopefully you'll be back here next year to uh, present it. We have some other dogs, as I mentioned, that will be going back to training. Um, again, one of the toughest things for somebody that raises a dog <clears throat> is returning the dog. You know, I thought after 16, 17 dogs, it'd get easier. It never gets easier. And that isn't the number one question that we're always asked by people. How could you give the dog up? We never do. It always goes back to somebody that loves it and will work with it in a way we never can. So with that, thank you very much. And I'm going to turn the program back over to... Thank you, Pete and Mary Jo. You guys have been wonderful co-chairs. I couldn't have asked for anybody else. I want to announce our next guest speaker. Her name is Ariel Gilbert. She is the outreach manager for Guide Dogs for the Blind. I could say many, many, many things about her, but hopefully she'll mention some things in her speech. But I do want to say that she's participated in World Rowing, world rowing Championships in Italy, England, and Spain. She was inducted into the National Jewish Sports Hall of Fame in 2004. She has been written up many times in articles such as Sunset, Outside, and Family Circle. 
And she was in Marcy Shimoff's book, Happy for No Reason. Let me present Ariel Gilbert and her guide, German Shepherd Splash. Thanks, Janet. Good afternoon. Okay, let's try it again. Good afternoon. All right. Now I know how many people are in the room. <laughs> splash down. Or should I say splash down? <laughs> Good girl. Well, at least I didn't have to get your mood in an up, more upbeat um more upbeat after watching Soulmate, which usually brings people to tears. So, but, oh, oh, splash, sit, and down. Okay. There we go. She was feeling a little out of it because the event is called Labs and Lunch. And <laughs> she, she was told she had to check her German Shepherd ears at the door. But she, she's, she, she's still one of the program. So... Well, I wanted to share with you my, my story, and uh, I was sighted until 22 years ago, and at, before I lost my sight, I was a registered nurse, I worked in pediatrics, I took care of kids, and I had a normal social life, my, my life seemed to be kind of going along as I expected it to, I've always been athletic from the time I was... Five, I was a competitive swimmer, and in college, I was a competitive rower. And I came home from working the night shift at the hospital, and I my eyes were sore from the air-conditioned environment. So I stopped on my way home and picked up some over-the-counter eye drops, and unbeknownst to me, they'd been tampered with. And at that moment, my life changed in, in for, I would say, a good six months, I thought my life was over. And everything that I was accustomed to being able to do, um, walking through my house, finding my clothes, uh, cooking for myself, all those things were things I didn't think I could do anymore. I was all of a sudden a 34-year-old um, and having the ability of a toddler. And I can't say that I handled it very well for the first six months, I didn't go anywhere. I didn't think I could. I didn't really do anything. Um, I sat around and listened to music and listened to the radio and felt sorry for myself. And I woke up one day and projected out what the rest of my life would look like because I figured I'd live a few more years than 34. And that, you know, if there was really no quality to my life anymore. Um, all the things that brought joy and pleasure to my life, you know, my family, my friends, athletics, my job, all those things were gone. And I didn't think I had anything to live for and that I was going to have one really long, really boring life if I didn't do something to change it. So I kept thinking, well, what makes my life have quality? And all the things that I had just talked about, family, friends, work, uh, you know, the, those are the things that bring, bring quality to your life. And I thought, well, 
how can I get a job? How can I do these things and be active again? And everything boiled down to the same thing. I, I needed to be independent. I grew up in Marin County, which is where San Rafael is, which is where Guide Dogs is. So from the time I was maybe three or four, I remember seeing guide dogs being trained on the streets of San Rafael. So I knew that blind people got around with long white canes and guide dogs. And since I'd always been a dog lover, I thought, well, this is a clear choice. I think I'd rather have a dog. So I called guide dogs. That was my my first time I reached out and discovered that in order to get a guide dog, I needed to learn how to be blind first, essentially. I needed to learn how to be an independent traveler, and I needed to learn how to use the, the senses that I still had left in order to um, be able to function in the world. And so then I was on a mission. <laughs> I knew that, okay, this is what I wanted to do, and I had purpose again. So I found out about the State Department of Rehab. I went to the State School for the Blind in Northern California for um, six months. I learned how to read Braille, cook, um, keep a checkbook, you know, vacuum, do all those things, including I had cane travel every day. And at the end of the six months, I was a competent cane traveler. I could get around, but I thought, wow, it isn't fun. It isn't anything like what I used to be able to do when I could see, but I, I could do it. I could get around. Uh, fortunately, two weeks later, I uh, found out that I could come and attend guide dogs and get my first guide dog. And the first couple of days, you know, first I walk in the door and I'm thinking, okay, they're going to hand me a leash and and a dog at the other end, and instead I got the empty leash and had to learn all the footwork, hand signals, voice commands that I needed to know in order to communicate with my dog. And then dog day. That was the third day. And at the time I had a name that started with, my last name started with V, so I had to wait till everybody else heard the name of their dog and the breed of their dog because I was at the end of the alphabet. And there were a few dog names like, Hooter that I thought, oh, glad that's not my dog. <laughs> and then, then they said, Ariel, you're receiving a male yellow lab named Webster. I thought, whew, that's, that's a good name. I can live with that one. <laughs> and then I was introduced to Webster. And wow, it was, there was a connection right from the first time I met him. But it wasn't until the next day when we went for our first walk that I had a great epiphany, which was walking down the street with my hand on the harness handle, walking at a pace that felt like I did when I was sighted, and with my best friend by my side, that I realized that no matter what I wanted to accomplish in my life, I could do it with Webster by my side. And that was the beginning of feeling like I started to get my life back. Um, it didn't all happen at once, <laughs> and I was so moved by how much guide dogs changed my life that I wanted to volunteer. I lived nearby, and I started doing tours and doing speaking engagements, and at the same time, I went back to the hospital where I had worked as a nurse, 
And the only place that they were comfortable having me work was in the dark room developing x-rays. Where else do you put the blind person? Because, <laughs> of course, all the brains had fallen out of my head when I lost my sight. And so I did that for a year and then uh, got my second job at the hospital, which was uh, doing medical transcription, which was a little bit better because I could use my found computer skills and uh, the medical terminology, which I already knew as a nurse. And But I knew that wasn't where I wanted to spend the rest of my life. And But I continued to volunteer at Guide Dogs. And in 1940, 1994, <laughs> 1944, <laughs> um, I was hired as the director of volunteers at Guide Dogs. And... I knew that working at Guide Dogs was where I wanted to be, and it was a great joy to to be at Guide Dogs and giving back. I loved working with all the volunteers. As a matter of fact, I had a nice reunion today with a volunteer that I used to work with at Guide Dogs. Her name's Lucy, and she's here. And then uh, five years ago, I was promoted to the outreach manager at Guide Dogs, and outreach is to people who are blind and visually impaired throughout the U.S. and in Canada, and people who are vision professionals that work with the blind to teach people about what the option is about getting a guide dog. And nothing is more passionate to me than being able to talk to somebody and teach them about what their option is, if, you know, how a guide dog can change their lives. After I, you know, started volunteering at Guide Dogs, I also got back into athletics and sports again. Uh, a friend of mine that I used to row with came by the house one day and said, you don't need to see to be to uh, row. You're coming with me. Uh, we're going to row in a double, and you're not going to argue with me. <laughs> well, <laughs> not a lot of choice there. It was, it was a great move, though. And uh, I started rowing again and uh, got back out on the water and realized just how important, you know, being athletic and having an active lifestyle was to me. And I continued to row. And then in, in, in 2002, there was a small ad on the Internet on the U.S. rowing website that they were trying to start a U.S. national adaptive team in hopes that Someday they would include rowing as an, a Paralympic sport. Uh, I participated on the U.S. national team uh, from, from 2002 to 2008 when rowing was included at, for the first time as a Paralympic sport. And for me, it's, it's one of my passions to, you know, introduce people to a sport that they can compete with sighted people on an equal playing field. I, I row now on a local team uh, to where I live where I'm the only blind person in a boathouse with 400 people, and I'm included on the team. I have to work just as hard as everybody else to earn my spot in the boat. But this weekend happened to be one of those weekends where I got to combine the best of both of my worlds. I, yesterday, I was in Sacramento rowing on Lake Nanoma with my team, and today I'm here talking about guide dogs and sharing my experience. I really appreciate that you all have come together and, and support guide dogs, puppy raising, volunteering, because, you know, without your support, I wouldn't be standing here with Splash, who allows me to do what I want to do, no matter what I want to dream, I can do it with Splash by my side, and I really appreciate what you do. Thank you.
Got it. Okay. Now we are going to announce the winners of the raffle prizes. So, Susan, you want to come on up? And I think, uh, Mary Jo, you're going to help me too? Okay. Okay, this is the Shell Vacations timeshare package. Ariel, you want to reach in the back? You, you just want to make sure no one peeked. Right. right. <laughs> okay, the number is 359739. Right back here. All right. All right. Mary Jo is delivering your certificate to you. Very good. Thank you. All right. What's this one for? All right. This is Luca Cafe Dinner for Eight. And the lucky person is... 359975. Right. Woo! Over there. Okay. Mary Jo. Okay, and the third one is, and this is for all the wonderful bottles of wine, and the lucky person is 359879. Somebody won it. Let me read it again. 359879. Nobody? Nobody? One more time. <laughs> 359879. Oh, look at there. All right, Judith. All right, Judith. Woo! And, and what we'll do is we have a case box. We'll pack that up for you, so just be sure and see us before you go. All right. Just one. All right. All right, here's the Davies Locker Water Adventure Fun. Three, five, nine, eight, seven, two. Got it over here? All right. Okay, and here we go for the two-night stay at the Montage Resort Hotels in Beverly Hills and Laguna Beach. Here we go. Three, five, nine, seven, four, two. Right here. Oh, my God. Boy, a winner twice. Yay. <laughs> Thanks, Susan. This is great. Thank you, Ariel. Thank you. Great job. Good presentation. Okay. I would like to present, um, before we move into our final part of the program, I'd like to present, I'd like to have Natalia come out and I'd like to have Pete and Mary Jo Egas come up. Come on. Come on. Natalia, this is a wonderful gift for you for all the hard work you've done for the Orange County Friends Committee. Thank you so much. Thank you. Pete and Mary Jo Egas. Second year as co-chairs, they've done a fabulous job. Thank you so much, guys. We could not do oh, we could not do this without you. Hey, Pete, let me give you a hug. You're very welcome. Okay, we are winding up the program. Um, sorry you didn't get a chance to see Soulmates after I promised you bring out your tissues. Sorry about that. Oh, there you go. It's on YouTube. Thank <laughs> you. 
Um, now, we're going to end the program with any question and answers that you might have. You might have a question uh, from Ariel. You might have a question from me. You might have a question from a puppy raiser. Um, so feel free to, to raise your hands and ask the question. Are there any questions? You know, this is, this is all the questions that you were afraid to ask but really wanted the answers to. Anybody have any questions? Yes. Do you have some ideas, Rick? <laughs> we, we are very, very, very pleased and uh, very appreciative for the 40000 And there are envelopes on the table. Rick ran out. He didn't hear that. But, yeah, Susan. Splash is number six. My first guide dog was Webster, yellow lab male. My second was PJ. PJ worked for one year, and he was he was happier just being a pet. So he went back to his 12-year-old puppy raiser, and then I had Audrey. And Audrey was also a yellow lab female. Unfortunately, Audrey had cancer and passed away after a year and a half. And uh, then I got Deanne, and Deanne was a female German shepherd, and she worked for me for a good long time. And then I had Hedda. And Hedda just retired uh, not quite two years ago. And she was adopted by my office mate, Janine. And so I get to see her every single day. And Hedda and Splash are great buddies. And now I have Splash. Thanks, Ariel. Any other questions? Hello over there. Okay. okay, you're talking about a career change dog? Well, you can go on our website, and it's under Adopt a Dog, and you can fill that out and send it in. It's, we ask you a lot of different questions. and um, but, but I will tell you, you know, a lot of our... Uh, adopted, a lot of our career change dogs are going on to greater paths. They might not have been able to become a guide, but they're going on to other dog service organizations like the Hearing Impaired, Dogs for Diabetic, Law Enforcement. I mean, there's so many other things they do. Perfect in every other way, just for whatever reason, couldn't be a guide. But yeah, you can get on our website. The uh, questionnaire and the application is there. Thank you for asking that. Any other questions? Back here, okay. <laughs> Who, who's got Ophelia? <laughs> okay, you, oh, here she comes. All right, ask and you shall receive. <laughs> Any other questions? Oh, I'm sorry, Splash. Any other questions? Is there somebody else over here? Okay. Over here? Oh, you're next for Ophelia. Okay, Ophelia over behind me. We'll make sure she gets there. She'll be here for an hour. Um, if there are no other questions, um, dessert is being served with coffee, so please hang around. The desserts are absolutely fabulous. And I just want to say thank you so much for attending this event, and we appreciate your support, and thank you for getting us to our goal. Thank you. It is about 1:30 now. Most of the 100 most of the 150 people
who are scheduled to be here for this luncheon are here. They are milling around, most of them with a glass of wine, red or white, in their hand. There is an auction at the front table. Some very nice uh, items are being auctioned, trips, wine, things like that. The lunch is scheduled to start in a few minutes. I should tell you there are 15 tables of 10 people each in the room. It's a gorgeous room on the ground floor of a brand new restaurant. Andre's is only a few months old. As the uh, day progresses, we will keep you informed. We have just finished the salad course, which consisted of a uh, salad made of more different types of greens than any of us here has ever seen before on one plate, including a flower. No one at the table, and there are, what, eight of us, nine of us at the table, no one at the table could determine the origin of that flower, but it was good. We'll keep you informed as we go along. One of our table mates is the official photographer for this event. Her name is Lori. I never did find her last name, but I'm sure if we ask her nicely, she will tell us. Lori, you want to give us a little more information? Sure. Uh, my last name is Fizarro, and my photography is Lori Fizarro Photography. And I, um, I do specialize in dogs, so this is a perfect match with doing the photos of the guide dogs. What brings you here? Um, they asked me. <laughs> And my friend is um, on one of the committees, and I photographed the puppies last year. And it's such a great organization that I wanted to do it again, and they were nice enough to ask me again. So you're doing this not as a job, but as a labor of love? Exactly, exactly. I've donated my time for the organization today, and then um, they get the photos to do what they want to do with them. Quite a few people here are donating their time. It's, it's a great country. In fact, it's one of the few countries where people really volunteer in large numbers. It's true. It's true, especially if it's something that's close to your heart. And I'm a dog person. I grew up on a farm with my grandparents having all kinds of animals. And then to see dogs going to work and helping people is really an amazing thing. Lori, we're looking forward to seeing the photographs when you get them. I guess the word developed has gone out of fashion when you get them back. How's that? Sounds good. Thank you very much, Lori. Thank you very much. We're speaking to uh, Nancy Gardner, President and CEO of Guide Dogs for the Blind, at the end of the meal. Nancy, how did it go? I think it was a big success. We so appreciate the support of our Orange County volunteers. It was a very nice event. Everybody seemed to be having a good time. It's for a good cause, but if you can have a good time at the same time, it's even better. Absolutely, and we um, are hoping that many of our supporters here will become long-term donors and fans. And always, most importantly, reaching out to future graduates. If this doesn't motivate them, nothing will. This is really a very pleasant affair. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nancy Gardner. Well, we've had our dessert and coffee, we've had the last of the interviews, and that brings us to the end of our broadcast of Labs Live at Andre's from Andre's Restaurant in Irvine, California. We hope you've enjoyed being with us. Our engineer is Joe Yurka. I'm Max Flaninger. Good day.